is our second message in the series, Enlarging Our Own Capacity. And uh, as Andrew mentioned this morning, that area is focused on how we as individuals can ensure that we feel resourced, equipped, and empowered to enlarge our homes and expand our lives for the sake of others and for God's kingdom. Uh, Last week, Andrew kicked us off with the series by talking about how our spiritual health is of paramount importance to our overall health and well-being. It has to be our number one priority. And today, we're going to take uh, a deeper look at what role does our physical health play, for better or worse, in our capacity to live full, fruitful lives and to serve God as disciples who are making disciples. Now, it's commonly accepted in Christian teaching, at least, that man is comprised of body, soul, and spirit. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes, So now may the God of peace make you complete... uh, Sorry, may he make you his own completely and set you apart from the rest. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved, kept intact and holy, free from any sort of blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed. But just how important is our body in the overall scheme of things? After all, our body is just a temporary residence that will eventually pass away. As Paul reminds us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we know that these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away. They will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. So if our bodies are just temporary dwellings, Do we really need to give them as much attention as we do to our soul or spirit? A few weeks ago, Jeff, in his message about how our practices shape us, talked about how we are not compartmentalized or disintegrated beings. Rather, we are holistic beings. And in keeping with that belief is this model... Uh, that depicts man as a tri-unity. Excuse me, I've got to find my notes here. Um, Getting ahead of myself. And it shows that these three parts are combined and integrated and that these make us truly and wholly human. So not only is our body an essential part of who we are, but as we will explore today, our health, the health of our body, can directly impact the health of our mind and emotions, and vice versa. They are ultimately interconnected. We must also remember that as Christians, our body isn't just home to our spirit, but that God himself has made his home within our body. Uh, In 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, Paul says, Are you aware that your body is a shrine to the Holy Spirit 
who is within you, and that you are not your own property. A price has been paid for you, so make your body a showplace of God's greatness. This scripture reminds us, I think, of a couple of things. Firstly, that when we are saved, our body is actually made sacred and holy by God along with every other part of ourselves. And secondly, that our body now belongs to God. And so we should use our body to bring glory to him. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if our bodies no longer belong to us, but rather to God, then that makes us simply stewards of our bodies. The implication being that God entrusts us to take good care of them and to use them in a way that glorifies him. So today, we're going to explore some of the ways in which we can be good stewards of our bodies. But firstly, let's remind ourselves of why, as disciples of Christ, taking good care of our physical health is so important. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, Paul says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and sink yourself into that. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, the good work we had better be doing. So God's given each of us work to do. God has called each of us to join him in the work that he is doing, and the work that he calls us to do, we do in and through our body. As Christians, we sometimes refer to ourselves or to the church as the hands and feet of Jesus. Christ is the head, and we are his physical representatives on the earth, called to bring the good news to others and to very uh, literally put his love into action. So since we do God's work through and in our body, We need to engage in actions that will help keep us physically healthy so that we can feel resourced and empowered to do the work that God is calling us to do. And with that in mind, today we're going to touch on four key areas that can directly impact our physical health. Sleep, rest, diet and exercise. Now, the prolific inventor, Thomas Edison, reportedly only slept three to four hours per night, regarding sleep as a waste of time, a heritage from our cave days, as he called it. Arnold Schwarzenegger, another giant intellect, uh, echoed that... (laughs) 
same sentiment recently when he gave a speech about how effectively he used his time when he first came to America to achieve his goals um, when he came from Austria. So he worked a construction job during the day, trained in the gym five hours a day, and was taking acting classes in the evenings from 8pm to midnight. Perhaps that's the uh, law of diminishing returns happening right there. I'm not sure whether that acting (laughs) classes paid off. But anyway, his advice to people who want to achieve more and who felt they don't have time to achieve their dreams, sleep faster. Wow. So what he was really saying, of course, was sleep less. Now, in a world that is already afflicted with hurry sickness, I believe that that is really dangerous advice. Cutting back on sleep to be more productive may deliver some short-term gains, some short-term productivity, but is unsustainable and counterproductive to living effective lives in the long term and ultimately can really put our health at risk. So contrary to this worldly wisdom that values performance and achievement over sleep, God reminds us that sleep is a blessing. And Psalm 127 verse 2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. I think this is a beautiful reminder that God is our provider. And that we don't need to be burning the candle at both ends and sacrificing sleep to live meaningful, purposeful and productive lives. Albert Einstein appeared to be stating the obvious when he said we sleep a third of our lives away. And that's right, we do. So why is that? Why do we sleep a third of our lives away? Because God designed us that way. Sleep is a restorative rhythm that is probably one of the most fundamental things that we can do, not only for our physical well-being, but also for our mental and emotional health as well. William Shakespeare expressed this sentiment poetically in his tragedy of Macbeth when he described sleep as the balm of hurt minds and chief nourisher in life's feast. Numerous studies over many decades have shown that good sleep is indeed required for the optimal functioning of a multitude of biological processes and enables us to be more productive and effective by helping to improve our memory, boost our creativity in solving problems, Uh, skills, sharpen our focus and concentration, improve our ability to manage stress, regulate our emotions, be less reactive and exhibit greater empathy. All qualities really that we aspire to as disciples of Christ. Now, the problem is the research tells us that most adults, the majority of us, aren't getting the recommended eight hours of sleep per night, which most likely means that we aren't functioning optimally during our awake hours. 
The fact is we need more sleep. For some of us, getting the right amount of sleep might be as simple as making a decision to change our routine and turn in earlier. However, if getting to sleep is difficult for you, as it is for many of us, you might want to research and experiment with different practices that are going to help you get off to sleep, such as reading, meditation, listening to music, listening to a podcast, or as someone at home group suggested this week, drinking a lot of chamomile tea. Ultimately, you need, to do, you need to do what works for you. You need to find the solution that works for you. Now, if you're one of the 53% of Australians who report having some kind of medical condition that impacts their sleep, then you'll probably want to consult a physician to try and find solutions and strategies. But the bottom line is, if we want to feel resourced to step into the work that God is calling us to do, then getting regular, good quality sleep is fundamental. In the words of Benjamin Franklin, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. In Psalm 16 verse 9, uh, David wrote, This is a good life. My heart is glad, my soul is full of joy, and my body is at rest. Who could want for more? In David's thinking, getting physical rest is one of the main factors that signify living the good life. And like David, I think many of us dream of getting more rest, primarily because we just don't get enough. Alan Cohen said this, There is virtue in work and there is virtue in rest. Use both and overlook neither. I think that there's a lot of truth and wisdom in this statement implies that work and rest are equally important and should therefore be given equal consideration, if not equal time, in our daily lives. In the modern world of hustle and hurry in which we live, the concept that rest could have as much virtue as work, I think, is a challenging one. And that's because... For most of us, our work commitments and our family responsibilities consume the vast majority of our time and rest is often viewed as a luxury rather than as a necessity. The truth is that unless we make adequate time for rest, the constant stress that many of us live with because of our really busy schedules can have serious implications for our physical and our mental health. So why is stress so dangerous for our health? Well, when we encounter stress, we experience a fight or flight reaction and our body releases a surge of hormones, including adrenaline and cortisol, to help us respond to the threat, just as God intended. However, where this becomes a problem is when stresses 
are always present and you constantly feel under attack, thereby resulting in an overexposure to cortisol and other stress hormones, which over time puts you at risk of many health problems, including heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, as well as mental health problems, including depression and anxiety. Now, I think it's fair to say that it's not uncommon for many of us to feel that we are living in a state of constant stress, simply due to juggling the everyday responsibilities of work, family, finances, relationships, domestic duties, and just rushing from one commitment to the next. Now, God knows all this, and he knows what's good for us, which is why he calls us into regular times of rest. In fact, rest is so important that God himself models this behavior for us and declares it holy. So in Genesis chapter 2, we read, On the seventh day, with the canvas of the cosmos completed, God paused from his labor and rested. Thus God blessed day seven and made it special, an open time for pause and restoration, a sacred zone of Sabbath-keeping because God rested from all the work he had done in creation that day. Rest can take many forms and really is whatever restores, refreshes and rejuvenates you. It can be taking time out to enjoy your hobbies such as reading or listening to music or gardening. It could be going for a walk with a friend or engaging in a time of silence and solitude. But for some of us, resting doesn't come naturally. Norman Vincent Peale said, Learn to relax. Your body is precious as it houses your mind and spirit. Inner peace begins with a relaxed body. This is a reminder to those of us whose natural state is to keep busy that we will actually need to learn to relax and work on cultivating rest as a habit. Ultimately, we need to prioritize building periods of rest into our daily lives. God wants to work in us and through us to build his kingdom, but without investing in rest, we cannot hope to sustain our efforts, and we risk burning out and damaging our health. As the Roman poet Ovid said, what is without periods of rest will not endure. So before we talk about diet and exercise, two areas that have probably the greatest impact on our physical health, I want to pause and ask the question, how healthy are we? Well, the good news is that people of this generation are expected to live an amazing 33 years longer than people born in 1890. That's staggering. 
We literally have decades more time than the generations before us to enjoy life and to do the work that God has given us to do. And that's a wonderful blessing. However, although we're living much longer, the bad news is that one in every two Australians are living with one of at least eight chronic conditions, which include cardiovascular disease, cancer, mental health conditions, arthritis, back problems, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma and diabetes. And nearly one in four Australians are estimated to have two or more of these conditions. That's really tough. 50% of us are living with health issues that not only influence how we feel, but that have a major impact on how we go about our everyday lives. Now, we know that there's multiple factors that can cause people to suffer with chronic conditions. That said, the research shows that many of the chronic conditions that we suffer with are linked directly to lifestyle factors. So, namely, poor diet and nutrition, insufficient physical activity, smoking and alcohol use. Now, I know that I've probably painted a fairly grim picture this morning talking about that, but the good news is that because many of these chronic conditions are linked to lifestyle factors, most of us have the power to make positive changes, such as eating better and getting regular physical activity. That can help us experience positive health gains with lasting effects. So when it comes to food, the research tells us that as Australians, we aren't eating enough of the food that promotes good health and we're eating too much of the food that adversely affects our health. So why, why is that? I think most of us have a pretty good idea of what healthy eating looks like. So why is it so hard to achieve? Well, I think a big part of the issue is that in today's Western world, we are absolutely spoiled for choice when it comes to food. Never before have we had access to such an incredible array and a variety of food choices, both good and bad. On the one hand, we can readily buy plenty of whole foods such as fresh fruit and vegetables but on the other hand, we have ready access to an abundance of processed and packaged foods as well as a wide range of affordable fast foods and takeaway. And therein lies our downfall. Most of us, as we've talked about, live busy lives. And so oftentimes, it's easier for us to choose the food option that is most convenient but really is the most convenient option, the most healthy. In her uh, book, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, Dr. Caroline Leaf identifies what she calls hurry sickness as the major contributor to our poor eating habits. She says, I do understand that many of us live incredibly busy lives. Indeed, I would go so far as to say that many of us have what I call toxic schedules. Rest is a luxury we frequently yearn for and when it comes to food, our fast-paced modern lifestyles have produced the mindset of I'm too busy to cook 
and convenient foods at least give me a little bit of time to do what I want. I just need a break. A Kit Kat, I heard that, Andrew. And when it comes to exercise, I think the same principle applies. We all know it's good for us. We all know we should probably be more active, but we are just too busy, stressed out, and just plain tired. So what is the answer? Simply stated, we need to find ways to slow down because hurry is the enemy of good health. We need to create margin in our lives so that we have the energy to make healthy food choices and so that we can make time to be more active. So speaking of busy schedules, how much time do we need to commit to exercise to promote good health? The findings of the evidence-based research conducted by the Australian government recommends that a minimal amount of exercise required to promote good health is 150 minutes of moderate exercise, such as walking. So that's basically about just over 20 minutes per day. So you don't need to sign up to a gym or take up running or play organised sport to get fit. Simply going for a 30-minute walk five times a week is enough to actually help promote good health. But if you can't make time to get enough exercise, get creative. Find ways to build more physical activity into your everyday life. One of the examples of moderate exercise that the um, report gave, published by the Australian government, was simply walking to work 15 minutes twice per day. So it doesn't even need to be a 30-minute block of time. 15 minutes to and from work is enough to get you the physical activity you need. So, for example, if you catch the train to the city to work, could you extend your work walk from the station to the office from 5 minutes to 15 minutes? Or could you build in a 15-minute walk into your lunch hour? each day. Exercise is simply physical activity. So we need to look for ways to increasingly introduce it more into our everyday lives. Great thing about exercise is we know that it doesn't just promote good physical health, but it's great for our emotional and mental health as well. Exercise relieves stress, helps improve our mood, helps us get better sleep, as well as prevent cognitive decline. So today I've talked briefly about some of the key areas that can help, or rather that can have a big impact on our physical health, depending on our behaviours. So what I learned when I was doing a lot of research preparing for this message is that according to the research, according to the findings, the majority of us don't get enough sleep, the majority of us aren't eating enough of the good foods that promote good health, and that the majority of us aren't getting the minimum required physical activity each week. And as we've discussed today, probably the biggest factor that's contributing 
to those behaviours is our busy schedules. In his message last week, Andrew said, we choose the pace of our life and that we need to admit where our priorities lie. He also said that when it comes to our health, we need to ask ourselves, what do we need to stop or start to be energised and healthy? Slowing down and creating margin, I know, is easier said than done. And to do that successfully will require making some difficult choices. We simply can't do everything. The Latin origins of the word decide, literally translated, means to cut off. In other words, when you decide to do one thing, it has to be at the expense of another. We only have a finite amount of time and each day. What will you start and what will you stop? A few weeks ago, Jeff preached on the topic of how our habits shape us. And he said that truth and practice must combine to reshape and transform us. That is certainly true in our spiritual lives and I believe that it's just as true when it comes to our physical health. We can't simply think ourselves healthy. Knowing what we need to do is not enough. We must take action. Therefore, if we want to make changes in this area of our life, we're going to have to be intentional about breaking old behaviours and forming new habits and new routines that help promote good health. In conclusion, God has a plan for our lives, a plan that he calls us to carry out in our body. So to ensure that we can sink ourselves, as Paul says, into the work that has been given for us to do in a sustainable way, let's prayerfully consider what changes we need to make to ensure that we feel physically empowered and resourced over the whole breadth of our life, that extended period that we are blessed with, so that we can embrace everything that God's calling us to do. And I'll leave you, um, as I close, with these words from um, Rumi, the 13th century Persian poet. He said, Never give from the depths of your well, but from your overflow. And I think that really encapsulates the key point today is that we want to feel resourced to do what God's calling us to do, we need to be making sure we're taking good care of ourselves so that we can give out of the overflow, that we've got, we've got headspace, we've got room, we've got margin to give. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you today that you have a plan for our lives. We thank you, Father God, that you call each one of us to do work that you've prepared for us to do. And we thank you, God, that you do that work in us and through us in our bodies. Lord, we just pray today that you convict us, show us how we can be better stewards of the bodies that you've given us so that we can feel resourced and empowered to do everything you're calling us to do in Jesus' name.
precious name. Amen.